Hey everybody, Greg Laurie here. You're listening to the Greg Laurie Podcast. And my objective is to deliver, hopefully, compelling practical insights and faith, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. To find out more about our ministry, just go to our website, harvest.org. So thanks for joining me for this podcast. And thanks to all the amazing artists that we've had here tonight. Now I know what you're thinking. Oh no, here comes the preacher. All the fun ends now. We're going to hear a sermon. Well, yes, you are going to hear what I like to call a message. Because I have something really important to tell you guys tonight. And I want to tell you that the last thing I ever expected to be was a preacher. And some of, some of you that have heard me would say, yeah, we never thought you should be one either. I didn't even plan on becoming a Christian. I thought Christians were crazy people. I thought they were delusional. But uh, one day I just stopped and listened to what they had to say. I'm gonna ask you to set aside your biases and preconceived notions and just listen with your heart a little bit because I wanna share something that could change your life, that could bring hope into a hopeless life something that can bring light into darkness, something that can guarantee to you that when you die, and yes, my friend, you will die, you can know with certainty that you will go to heaven. So please listen to what I'm about to say. This is not my message. I didn't make it up. I'm just a delivery boy. I'm just delivering the good news to you tonight at Harvest America. And I'd like to start with a word of prayer, if you would, please. Let's all pray wherever you are. Father, now I pray that you will speak to us. And for any here that have joined us that do not yet know you, help them to see the words that I'm sharing are true. They're your message. They're good news. They're the gospel. So speak to hearts and change lives, we pray now. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. I had to grow up fast as a kid because for all practical purposes I never had a dad and I really didn't have a mom because she was a raging alcoholic and she liked to get married and divorced and married and divorced and she ended up marrying and divorcing seven times. In between my mother's flings I was conceived, voila. and. Uh, so I was raised in this crazy environment. I'd live with my mom. I'd be sent to military school. I'd live with my grandparents. And uh, I began searching as a young kid. I thought, what is the meaning of my life? Because there was no one in my adult world that I respected. No one that I could look up to. And I thought, is this all there is? And by the time I reached the ripe old age of 17, I felt like I was 70. Because I'd watched the course my mom's life had taken as a reckless alcoholic. I watched the course my own life was taken as I had gotten into drinking and partying and taking drugs. I was getting high pretty much every day, taking LSD on the weekends. My life was a wreck and I was going downhill fast. Well, I was in high school and there was a group of very outspoken Christians. And my friends even warned me, stay away from the Jesus freaks, Greg. And I said, you can count on one thing, Greg Laurie will never become a Jesus freak. Here I am, over 45 years later. 
And I guess I'm still a Jesus freak. I'm a believer because Christ changed my life one day. I was walking across my high school campus. I saw the Christians singing their songs about God. And by the way, their music wasn't nearly as good as Christian music is today. And I saw them sing these songs and, and having a little Bible study and I thought these people are so sad. They're so pathetic. I feel so sorry for them. But then as I looked at them I thought, but I have to admit they look sort of happy. And they look like they have some kind of peace. And I tried a thought on first size I'd never considered. What if the Christians are right? Well I quickly dismissed it. That's impossible. There's no way this could be right. But then I tried the thought and again, what if it's right? What if it's true? What if Christ can really change a life? And then I thought, but he could never change me. I'm too cynical. I'm too hard. But then a guy got up to speak and I don't remember most of what he said, but one statement hit home with me. He said, Jesus said, you're either for me or against me. I looked around at the Christians. I thought, well, I'm not one of them. Does that mean I'm against Jesus? See, I always respected Jesus. I'd seen all of his movies and I liked them. But I never really went to church. I knew nothing about it. And then this guy who was speaking says, if you want to become a Christian right now, I want you to walk forward and pray. I thought, on my high school campus, in front of other kids, there's no way I'm going to do that. Next thing I knew, I was up there praying. I didn't plan on it, but it happened. And that's going to happen for some of you right here in this stadium tonight. And it's gonna happen to some of you watching on social media right now. Some of you in a host site, in churches, large and small, in theaters, in front rooms. Just think about us having a little conversation together telling you about how your life can be changed. You know, I think that today in our culture we think, if only I could be rich and famous, I know I would be happy, for sure. Jim Carrey famously said, quote, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. This week alone, look at what happened. Two well-known celebrities took their own lives. Designer Kate Spade and television personality Anthony Bourdain. Kate Spade was a fashion icon, but yet she killed herself by hanging in her beautiful New York home. I guess despite all those positive slogans and bright colors and work displayed, she found herself despondent and hopeless and ultimately willing to take her own life. And right on the heels of this is the suicide of Anthony Bourdain. He won two Emmys, had a very successful show called Parts Unknown. But to earlier in his life, Bourdain got heavily into drugs and he said in a quote, the food, the long and often stupid and self-destructive search for the next thing, whether it was sex or drugs or some other new sensation. Well, he searched. He traveled the world. He experienced so many things that are out there and there was an emptiness in him. He even was quoted to say, your body is not a temple, it's an amusement park, so enjoy the ride. Well, it doesn't sound like that ride turned out so well. He tragically took his own life. You know, Anthony Bourdain would sit down and try meals in exotic places with different people and he would ask them all this question, what makes you happy? And they would give their answers. But apparently he never found that happiness. Last year, Chris Cannell, a front man for Soundgarden, took his own life. 
the frontman of a very successful band at the top of his game on the heels of that. Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park, who is a close friend of Chris, also committed suicide on the birthday of his friend by hanging himself. Did you know that suicide rates in America are up 25% right now? 45,000 Americans took their lives last year. Though antidepressant use is up, it doesn't seem to be helping. I watched an expert on television the other night and he himself had suicidal tendencies and wanted to find some answers, so he traveled the world interviewing people that could help him who were experts on this subject. Here are the conclusions he came up with. He said, we have natural, natural physical needs. We need food, water, shelter. He says, if you take these away, we're in trouble really fast. And then he says, there's equally strong evidence that people have very strong psychological needs. He says, people need to feel they belong. They need to feel that their life has meaning and purpose. They need to feel that people see and value them. And he says, finally, people need to have a future that makes sense. Listen, I want you to know tonight that there is someone who loves you and someone who values you and he's called Jesus Christ and he's here with us right now. And he'll give you a future. He'll give you a future worth living. God says, one of my favorite verses, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Do you have hope tonight? Or do you find yourself in a hopeless state? Bottom line, fame and wealth, possessions, all the things this world has to offer, drugs, drinking, sex, etc., will not make you happy. Jesus told the story of a man who had a lot of stuff. In fact, he had so much stuff he had to build bigger rooms to put all his stuff in. And then uh, one day as he was storing up his stuff, uh, God said, you fool, this night your soul is required of you. And then he left, he died. And you know, when you leave this world, you leave everything. As I've said before, you've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer. Everything is left behind in this life and then comes eternity. Speaking of a guy who had it all, I just did, recently did a film and a book on the life of Steve McQueen, iconic actor. And uh, he was called the King of Cool. And McQueen was so successful in his films that he literally had an airplane hangar full of cars and motorcycles and planes and things like that. It was the ultimate man cave for sure. He was a number one movie star in Hollywood. Women threw themselves at Steve McQueen, but he found himself empty and searching. So he disconnected from Hollywood and moved away and, and found himself in a little community in California called Santa Paula. And there he came into contact with a man who had strong faith in Jesus Christ. And Steve, the number one movie star, found what he was looking for. He didn't find it on a soundstage in Hollywood. He found it in the balcony of a church on a Sunday morning. And many of you are going to find what you're looking for here in this stadium or in a front room or wherever you are tonight. So that was the king of cool. Now I want to talk to you about another king. Not the king of cool, but the king of Babylon. His name was King Nebuchadnezzar. The Bible tells us he was a very wicked man. He came into Israel and took all of the Jewish people captive back to Babylon. 
He was so cruel that he forced the king of Israel to watch as his own sons were put to death and then he gouged the king of Israel's eyes out. So this man had a very hard heart and he was at the very peak of his power and one night he had a really scary dream. And I don't think it was because of pizza because there was no pizza back then. But in his dream Nebuchadnezzar saw a mighty tree filled with all kinds of birds and everyone was eating of its fruit and an angel comes down from heaven and chops down the tree and all that was left was a stump. So it freaked Nebuchadnezzar out. Like what does that dream mean? So he had all of these advisors on his payroll. Astrologers and astronomers and fortune tellers. So he said bring in your Ouija boards. Bring in your crystal balls. Bring in the Jumanji game. Bring everything in. And someone explained this to me. <laughs> and none of them could. And he says that's it. I'm going to put you all to death. Well as it turns out the prophet Daniel was one of King Nebuchadnezzar's advisors. And so they said the king's going to kill all of you because no one can tell him what his dream was. Daniel said, let me pray about that. And the Lord showed Daniel the king's dream and the Lord gave to Daniel the interpretation as well. And he told the king what his dream was and what it meant. And the king acknowledged that came from God. But yet nothing changed in him. In fact, he even got worse. See, one of the easiest places to get a hardened heart listen to me, is in a church. Because if you hear the message of the gospel and who Jesus is and you don't respond to it, your heart can get harder. The same sun that softens the wax hardens the clay. And there's a lot of people that know about God but they don't know God. Nebuchadnezzar knew that God was there but, but he never put his faith in him or at least he did not up to this point. A real popular thing for people to say today is, well, I'm not into organized religion. Oh, what are you into then? Disorganized chaos? I'm not here tonight to talk to you about religion. I'm here tonight to talk to you about a relationship, a friendship with God that you can begin to experience. And Christ can fill that big hole that is in your heart right now. So here's my question. Is Jesus Christ a son of God living inside of you right now? Some of you would say yes. Some of you would say, well, uh, I think so. You think so? Do you think if someone moved into your house in the middle of the night, you would be aware of it? Especially if they were cooking something really smelly in the morning on your stove? I'm not comparing God to that. My point is, if someone came into your house, you would know. Don't you think if God Almighty, the creator of the universe, has taken residence in your heart, you would know? Here's my point. If you don't know that he lives inside of you, that can change tonight. I want you to leave this place knowing that Jesus Christ is living in your heart and knowing that your sin is forgiven and knowing that you will go to heaven when you die. So, Daniel the prophet he had to deliver the bad news to the king. He had to tell him the truth. You know, we all like to deliver good news. No one wants to deliver bad news. Like a doctor, if he runs a series of tests on someone and finds out they have cancer, it's very hard to say that to a patient. But if it's a responsible doctor, he or she will do that for the patient's welfare so there can hopefully be a course of treatment. I heard a story the other day on television about a doctor that was watching a young lady on a reality show. You may have seen this story. And he noticed a strange kind of lump on her neck. And this uh, particular doctor 
Dr. Voigt is an ear, nose, and throat surgeon, so he was an expert in this. So he tried to contact the girl, but he couldn't, so he tried to find her on Facebook. So he just posted a message with a screenshot of the girl and just said, please contact me, and she did, and it was cancer, but they were able to treat it, and she's on the road to recovery thanks to that eagle-eyed doctor, you see? So sometimes people resent being preached to. You know, if uh, you start to talk to someone about Jesus, they'll say, hey man, don't preach to me. Well, wait a second. Let's say we were on a plane and, and we were gonna have to make some kind of a crash landing and I was gonna tell you where the emergency exits were when we landed. They're here, hey, don't preach to me. I think you wanna know where the emergency exits are. I'm trying to warn you and help you so you can get on the road you need to get on. So here's the message. I've come to Texas to give to you tonight. It's called the gospel. Gospel means good news. But before you can fully appreciate the good news, you have to first know the bad news. Here's the bad news. You're a sinner. By the way, when I point one finger at you, we have three pointing back at me. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short of God's glory. There's nothing we can personally do to make this right. And because of our sin, we will face judgment one day. But the good news is God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, on a rescue operation to planet Earth. And Jesus was born in the manger of Bethlehem. And then he lived the perfect life. And then he lived the, per and then he died the perfect death. And then he rose again from the dead. And he's here with us right now, standing at the door of your life. And he is knocking. And he's saying, if you'll hear his voice and open the door, he will come in. Before you can appreciate the good news, you have to know the bad news. Daniel went to the king and said, so uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, I've got some bad news. Uh, that tree in your dream, that's you in the kingdom of Babylon. Uh, the tree getting chopped down, that's you getting chopped down. King, you're gonna lose your sanity and you're gonna end up in a field eating grass like a cow. So basically what I'm telling you, king, is you're gonna be moving out of this palace soon. And I know this is an utter shame. No, I'm sorry, I'm bad. Look, I don't want to milk this thing, but I'm just saying. It's going to be bad, king. But it's interesting. He tells them what can happen. But then he says in Daniel 4.27, but listen to my advice, king. Stop sinning and break from the past. In other words, this doesn't have to happen. God tells us judgment can come in our life, but he says, look, I don't want this. I love you. That's why I put this judgment on my son Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago when he died in your place. The title of my message tonight is Life's Most Dangerous Word. What do you think life's most dangerous word is? Diet? <laughs> no. Exercise? Again, no. Life's most dangerous word is tomorrow. Tomorrow. Tomorrow sounds so innocent, but it's life's most dangerous word. Tomorrow is the road that leads to the town called never. Tomorrow is the barred and bolted door that shuts people out of heaven. Tomorrow is the devil's word. And so many have been ripped off by a strategy. What I'm saying is you'll say, well, okay, I hear what you're saying, bald guy from California, but listen, 
I'll think about this tomorrow. I'll look into this tomorrow. No, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Tonight is your night. Don't live another day without Jesus Christ. Because stat statistics show that 82% of all people that become Christians do so by age 19 or younger. I came to faith at 17. That's 10 years ago. Plus a lot more years. Um, and some of you are older and say, well, is it too late for me? No, it's not too late for you. God will forgive you no matter what you've done, but don't put this off another day. Well, Nebuchadnezzar had a full year to get his act together. A full year to repent. He just blew this off and one day, sure enough, the Bible says that he was standing on his balcony checking out his awesome kingdom and saying, man, look at Babylon, this incredible place that I have built. And the Bible says where the words were still in his mouth, a voice came from heaven and the voice said to King Nebuchadnezzar, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, you're no longer ruler of the kingdom. And he lost his mind and he went out into the field and he ate grass like a cow, just like Daniel said he would. But God was gracious to Nebuchadnezzar and he returned to his senses and then he believed in the Lord and he told his entire kingdom. He set it up on social media. It was on his Facebook page, on his Twitter page, on his Instagram page, everywhere. He told everyone, I believe in the Lord now. If God could reach a wicked man like that, surely he can reach and change a person like you right now, tonight. I mentioned that Nebuchadnezzar was like a tree that was chopped down. But then he grew back again, the tree left a stump. They didn't say pull up the stump. Little shoots of growth came out of the stump and uh, he came back to life. Yeah, I told you my mom was married in divorce seven times so she married one guy named Oscar Laurie who was the best guy she ever married and he adopted me. And uh, I had the privilege of going back to the East Coast and reconnecting with him when I was older. I, my mom pulled me away from him when I was a young boy and I had the privilege also of leading the father who adopted me uh, to Jesus Christ. And he uh, walked with the Lord to the end of his life. He's in heaven now. He's in heaven with my mother who came to faith one month before she died. But uh, my dad, Oscar, told me about our family tree. It goes back to Scotland. And uh, sort of the uh, slogan of our family crest is rapulala, rapulala. It's an interesting word. It means it buds afresh. And he said, look, here's our coat of arms, Greg. And here on this coat of arms is a tree stump with a little bit of growth coming back. And the idea of it is life comes back. After it's been chopped down, life comes again. And I thought, that's my life. It was cut down, but life came at, at it, at, through it again. And listen, your life may be cut down, chopped down, no hope given to you. Jesus Christ can change the narrative of your story, and he can change the end of your story tonight, no matter what you've done. Because the Bible says, if any man be in Christ or is a believer in Jesus, Old things are passed away, and behold, everything becomes fresh and new. You don't have to be crippled by your past. You can put it behind you and be changed tonight by Jesus Christ. I want to mention one other king. Not the king of cool, Steve McQueen. Not King Nebuchadnezzar. But the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, whose name was Belshazzar. 
Well, Belshazzar didn't listen to what his grandpa said. And he went out of his way to mock God. He went out of his way to shake his fist at God. So one day he gave the order, hey, bring in all those little goblets and things that the Jewish people use for worship and let's fill them with wine and let's toast the false gods of Babylon. This would be fun. And everybody got their little wine glasses out and they were worshiping false gods. And while they were doing this, the Bible says, a hand began to write on the wall. Just a hand. And that'd freak you out. His hand's writing on the wall. Nebuchadnezzar, excuse me, Belshazzar's looking at that. He doesn't know what it means. So old Daniel's brought in. He's a lot older now. Says, boy, you should have listened to your grandpa. He knew the Lord. He believed in the Lord. And you have not believed. And this is what the message is saying. Many, many tickle parson, which means you've been weighed in God's balances and you've been found lacking. See, when we get on a scale, we want to weigh less, not more, right? When you get on God's scales, you want to weigh more, not less. You don't want to be a spiritual lightweight. I was in the gym the other day. I know it's hard to believe I go to a gym, but I do. And I was eating a donut and um, a guy said to me, you want to get on our scale. It was a very fancy scale. And I said, okay. And then he said, uh, how tall are you? I said, I'm 5'10". He says, huh, let me measure you. Then he says, no, oh, actually you're 5'9". No, I, I'm 5'10". He says, you're 5'9". Now get on the scale. I got on the scale. He says, you weigh more than you should. I said, great. So not only am I bald and fat, but I'm shrinking. Is that what you're telling me? That's exactly what he was telling me. But uh, Belshazzar got in God's scales. And there was nothing there. And that was the end for him. You know, you don't know when the end is going to come. But the writing was on the wall. Folks, I believe Jesus Christ is coming back again. How many of you believe that? All around us right now, the writing is on the wall. The regathering of the Jewish people in their homeland of Israel. The hostility toward them from other nations around the world. The explosion of technology. The explosion of horrific, violent crime. The conflicts. All the things that are happening. These are signs of the times. And God is giving us a warning. He's telling us our time is short. Listen, I don't know when the end of the world is, but the end of your world or my world could come sooner than expected. Don't be a fool like Nebuchadnezzar and put it off. Don't be even a greater fool like Belshazzar and blow it off. This is your moment. This is your night when you can come to faith in Jesus. God's finger wrote on that wall. And you know, there was another time that God's finger wrote in the sand. It's one of my favorite stories from the Bible. It's a story of a woman who was caught in sexual sin. And they brought her before Jesus and they threw her on the ground and all those religious people says, the law says we should stone her. What do you say? Jesus looked up at them all and just started writing in the sand. And he stood up and he said, let him that is among you who is without sin cast the first stone. Then he went down and wrote in the sand some more. What do you think he wrote? I don't think he was playing tic-tac-toe. Hey, it's your move. No. He wrote something significant because the Bible says they left from the eldest to the youngest. So now all of these guys are gone. This trembling woman caught in sin 
looks at Jesus and he says, ma'am, that's actually the word he used. It's in the Bible, in King James it says woman, but the better translation would be ma'am or lady. Kind of an interesting, respectful term to use of a girl in her state. Ma'am, lady, where are your accusers? She says, I have none, Lord. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He changed her life. He can change your life. You just have to be willing to turn from your sin and ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior and your Lord. You say, well, you keep saying that. How do you even do it? All right, listen, I'm almost done. If you haven't listened to anything else I've said tonight, please listen now. If you want your sin forgiven, if you want to know that when you die you'll go to heaven, if you want that big hole in your heart filled, number one, you need to just admit you've sinned. You say, but Greg, I'm a good person. I don't dispute that. There's a lot of good people out there. But you're not good enough. Because heaven is not for good people. Heaven is for forgiven people. You need to be forgiven of your sin. The Bible says if you offend in one point of the law, you're guilty of all of it. So you might say, well, I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as that guy over there. Yeah, but God doesn't grade on the curve. He grades on the cross. And so you've sinned enough to keep you out of heaven. You say, no, Greg, I'm a pretty good person. Well, Jesus said, you've heard that it has been said, you shall not murder. But I say to you, if you have hatred in your heart towards someone, it's the same thing. Have you ever hated anybody? Let me restate the question. Have you ever driven on the freeway? Jesus says, you've heard that it has been said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say unto you, if you look on a woman or a man with lust in your heart, it's the same thing. We've broken these commandments. We've fallen short. Admit you are a sinner. You're not as good as you think you are. Number two, realize that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. You know, sometimes people will ask, well, why, is, why are you Christians so obsessed with the cross? You're always talking about the cross. Jesus died on the cross. He shed his blood on the cross. The cross this, the blood that. You guys are freaks, man. Why do you obsess on that? I'll tell you why. Because he died in my place. Because I was separated from God by my sin and God's righteous demands needed to be satisfied. So Jesus stepped in the gap for me. Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, was uniquely qualified to do this. And with one hand he took hold of a holy father. And with the other hand he took hold of sinful humanity and spikes were driven through those hands. And he died for me. He died for you. And he shed his blood for you. And he will forgive you tonight if you'll turn from your sin and follow him. I love how the Apostle Paul said, he loved me and he gave himself for me. Listen, he did it for you. He loves you. Thirdly, you need to repent of your sin. Admit you're a sinner, realize Christ died for you. Thirdly, repent of your sin. The word repent is an interesting word. It's a military term. It means about face. When I went to military school, I, I learned what that meant. You that have served in our military, and thank you for that know what that means. 
So to repent means to change your direction. It doesn't mean to just be sorry for what you've done. It means to be sorry enough to stop. The Bible says godly sorrow produces repentance. So I'm walking away from God. Now I'm going to turn around and about face. And I'm going to walk toward God. I'm going to hang a U-turn on the road of life. Repent. The Bible says repent and be converted. And times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. The first word that Jesus said when he began his public ministry was repent. The kingdom of God is near. So you have to turn from your sin. And then you must receive Christ into your life. Being a Christian is not just following a creed. It's not just reading a Bible. Being a Christian is having Christ himself come and take residence in your heart. The Bible says for as many as received him, he gave them the power to become sons and daughters of God. So there has to be that moment where you say, all right, Lord, I want you in my life. I want you to forgive me of my sin. And he'll do that for you. He's just a prayer away. And then you must do it publicly. And that's why in a few moments I'm gonna ask you that want Jesus Christ to come into your life and you want him to forgive you of your sin, I'm gonna ask you to get up out of your seat and come down here on the field at AT&T Stadium. And then when you all get down here, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer of commitment to Christ. You say, really, is it that simple? Actually, it is. Going back to that woman caught in the act of sexual sin. Notice that she said in response to the Lord, this stupid fly keeps bugging me. I'm gonna kill this fly. Because you're seeing this fly. These are HD screens. This fly is going down. But he's not gonna stop me from finishing my message. <laughs> By the way, the name Beelzebub, another name for the devil, means Lord of the Flies. Huh? But that fly did distract me from my point. I'm trying to recall it right now. But you must do it publicly. When we were here a couple of years ago, Literally thousands of people came down on this field and prayed a prayer asking Jesus into their life. But why do it publicly? You say, Greg, it's a, it's a long ways down from these top stands. I, I'd rather just do it on my seat. Well, you can do that, but here's why I ask you to come publicly. Jesus said, if you will acknowledge me before people, I will acknowledge you before my Father and the angels in heaven. But then he adds, if you deny me before people, I'll deny you before the Father and the angels. I'm gonna ask you to make a public stand to follow Jesus Christ. You'll be glad that you did. And lastly, and lastly, you must do it now. Do it now, as I already said. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. The, de the devil whispers in your ear, tomorrow, later, not now. The Holy Spirit whispers in your ear, come now, today, tonight, here. Oh, I know. I know what it feels like. What am I getting myself into? It's not what you're getting yourself into. It's who's getting himself into you. Jesus Christ taking residence in your heart. You'll never be alone in life again and you'll know that you'll go to heaven when you die. That is amazing. That's the good news. And that can be the good news in your life right now. Some of you have thought about suicide. Some of you have even tried it. 
There's someone watching me right now that's at the end of their rope. I heard a story the other day about a man who was so angry at the way his life had gone, he decided he was gonna first kill his wife, then kill himself. He had it all planned out. And he ended up going to a service that I was speaking at, and he heard the good news about Jesus Christ, and he gave his life to the Lord. Well, he changed his plans. He's been married many years now and has children, and God changed the course of his life. I don't know where you're at, but I know that Christ has everything you're looking for. And I know that you don't understand all this, and I know you have some questions, and that's okay. But I'm gonna ask you to come with those questions, and come with your doubts, and come just as you are, and believe in Jesus. And this is gonna be the greatest moment of your life. He won't say no to you, but you must come. In a moment, we're gonna pray. And then I'm going to invite you to come to Jesus, wherever you are. You guys that are watching, on a screen somewhere in a church sanctuary or in a theater or in a home. I'm gonna ask you to pray this prayer with me. We'll give you some specific instructions on all of you folks here in the great A&T AT Stadium. Uh, I'm gonna ask you to come down from those stands to this field and make your stand for Jesus. But let's pray. Now, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to every person here convict them of their sin, convince them of their need for Jesus, and help them to come to you now, young and old, men and women, boys and girls. Draw them to yourself, we pray, Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey everybody, Greg Laurie here. Thanks for listening to our podcast. And to learn more about Harvest Ministries, please subscribe and consider supporting this show. Just go to Harvest. And by the way, if you want to find out how to come into a personal relationship with God, go to knowgod.org. That's K-N-O-W-G-O-D.org.